Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Steven Robles, and we're going to talk about all the iPhone 13, iPad mini stuff, pre-orders, devices coming in, then iOS 15 and 15.1. We're going to cover it all. And this episode is brought to you by Posty, Fast Growing Trees, Quip, and ZocDoc. You'll hear about those in a moment. And joining me this week is my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Hello. I'm really glad to be here this week because all those things you just said, I want to know about. Tell me everything. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I want to talk about it all. Talk about it all. First of all, we are now have done our pre-orders. As we record, we are eagerly awaiting devices to arrive the next day. As you listen to it, it should be Friday. We should be getting our stuff. But what I want to know, William, is... How did pre-orders go for you? And what, if anything, did you pre-order? Apple's end of the pre-order bit went very well. Uh, but I got my dispatch notification, as we call it here. I was told today that Americans don't call it that. You call it shipping <laughs> information. I don't know. Anyway, dispatch shipping, notification. Shipping, delivery, but... Yeah. Okay, dispatched. Okay, I like it. Dispatched. Got one of those. Uh, but unfortunately, Apple in the UK uses a, a carrier called DPD. And I kind of sank slightly when I saw it was them. And sure enough, you click the tracking link. And the, this parcel delivery thing tells me my iPhone 13 Pro was delivered into my hands on the 30th of January 2021. What? <laughs> so, you know, I might have mentioned it to Apple Insider if I'd had it eight months early. Yeah, I'm fully confident <laughs> that it's going to arrive tomorrow. William, you could have been a professional leaker if you yeah. had had it back in January. Yeah. That would have been incredible. Yeah, but then Tim Cook wouldn't have liked me, would he? Oh, that is true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Oh, we, yeah, we have to talk about that too. Oh my goodness. He, he got a on those leakers. But anyway, so what exactly did you pre-order? iPhone 13 Pro, 256 gigabytes in Sierra Blue. And I, in the, after an amazing amount of spreadsheet work here, I decided to buy it outright while trading in my iPhone 11 Pro instead of going on the iPhone upgrade program. Uh, it just the numbers were ever so slightly better that way. Okay. So that's great. It, but you are on the iPhone program. So yes. which model and capacity and color have you got? So I went with the iPhone 13 Pro. I did the 512 gigabytes. Mm -hmm. I looked at my current iPhone. That's I got 512 last year as well. And I'm just about at 250 gigs now, having used it for a year. So I didn't want to go 256 and risk, you know, having doing stuff. I will say a majority of what I save on my phone is podcast episode hoarding. Like I literally have 50 gigabytes of podcast stuff on my phone, just like old episodes. So I could probably clean that up, but I just like to keep it just in case. You never know. You never know. I mean, you're on a plane, you're traveling. So I'm just thinking you fill up your iPhone, so you buy a new one. That's all right. That's exactly it's, right. It's an attitude. It's an approach. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do. So I did that. I got the Sierra Blue. It's the first time I ever will have a color iPhone. I've always gone either the white and silver or the black and space gray. So this is my first actual color of an iPhone. So I'm excited for that. As we speak, I got my parcel dispatch or whatever you call it. I got my delivery notification and it says it is coming tomorrow, Friday, September 24th. So I'm excited for that. And I also should have an iPad mini coming on the same day. Oh, I think, yes, I'm excited to use that. It'll be my first iPad mini. I think I might be doing a, a video review of that. So I'm excited to try that out over the weekend. And of course, the 13. And I convinced my wife to upgrade hers. She was on an 11 and it's just about two years old now. And she actually got a really good trade in price for her phone. Like you're saying, she got like almost $400, I think, for 
the iPhone 11 and it was hers is a 256 gigabytes. So with that trade in, it was a pretty good deal and hers will be coming on launch day as well. Pre-order process, super fast. I got my orders in at like 801 and 802. Yes. Even using the Apple card, I did not have an issue. I know there were many people, Neil Hughes at Apple Insider had issues with the Apple card and it took him like an hour to get his pre-order in. So not sure what was going on with Apple card there, but my Apple card was fine. And I, I know, sorry, that's a touchy subject, William. You don't have Apple Card. I apologize. Well, it also meant I didn't have any problems. <laughs> right. So there. Exactly. Ha. Exactly. It was a flawless experience. So very good. So I'm excited for that. I know a lot of people getting theirs tomorrow, the iPhone 13. Looks like the Pro models were pretty popular this year. Yeah. I think the camera improvements from the 13 Pro versus the 13 regular are significant enough where people jump to that Pro model. I know even like John Gruber, you know, of Daring Fireball, you know, pretty well-known Apple pundit. He just had the 12 regular for the past year for his personal phone. He talked about it on his talk show, but actually going pro this year because of the camera differences. So I think those camera improvements are pushing people towards the pro models. It's part of the reason I've gone for it. But I'm I'm surprised the first one in the in the US, the first model to go on back order and be delivered later was the iPhone 13 Pro Max. And right. th- this year there isn't is there any difference in the cameras between the two? I don't think there is. No, no. The 13 Pro regular and 13 Pro Max have the exact same camera system. I'm surprised. Uh, but I suppose it's just because I had a, a year with a large iPhone and, and I liked it very much. But then I went to my 11 Pro and I loved it so much more that I can't imagine going back to the bigger size and paying for the privilege. either. So I was surprised that I thought the Pro iPhone 13 Pro would be the first one to back order, but apparently not. Apparently not. Everybody's getting blue, though. That sounds Everybody's like it's the color, the color to be. <laughs> it is. I mean, I just I wanted to get a color this year. I don't know. So I'm excited to, to try it out. There were iPhone 13 and 13 Pro reviews that came out. The kind of first round of early reviews from the likes of MKBHD, iJustine, Renee Ritchie, The Verge. All those reviews came out. And a lot of the reviews really said of the improvements across the lineup, battery life is noticeably better in the 13 phones as opposed to the 12 models. So that is great to hear that there is better battery life and that the cameras are dramatically improved across the lineup, especially with low light, especially on the 13 Pro and 13 Pro Max models. And one of the interesting things about it is if you had a 12 Pro Max, your camera module was already bigger on the 12 Pro Max. But if you had a 12 Pro like myself, just the regular size 12 Pro, the camera module size difference going to the 13 Pro is going to be significant. And I discovered this because the case, I got a silicone abyss blue case for my iPhone 13 Pro came in early. It came in like this past Monday or Tuesday and holding up the case for the 13 Pro versus the 12 Pro the camera bump on the 13 Pro is massive. Like it is a massive bump. And because the phone is smaller, but the camera bump is basically gonna match the 13 Pro Max size camera bump, it is huge. I'll put a link to my tweet where I kind of compared the 12 Pro case to the 13 Pro case. But man, that is a big bump. That's all I'll say about that. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. You have, for the first time ever, bought a color iPhone and you're gonna put it in the case straight away. Okay. Listen, listen, listen. I use cases pretty much regularly as I'm out and about walking around. But when I'm home and maybe if I'm like at an office where 
I'm not so worried about dropping it. I'll take it out of its case. I ride the I ride the fence. I do both and both and. <laughs> okay. Now I will point our people if you want to see like the most in depth camera review of the 13 Pro and Pro Max. Austin Mann, who's actually been a guest on this podcast before, he talked about the M1 iPad Pro a few months ago. He does a review of the iPhone cameras every year. He went on an African safari this year with the 13 Pro and Pro Max. His review is spectacular. The images that he gets from these phones are spectacular. And he is a professional photographer. You know, he uses like Hasselblad and all this professional equipment in his normal photography. And seeing what he gets out of the 13 Pro is amazing. Video and photo. And he had great things to say about the macro mode as well. So I encourage everyone to check it out. Did you have a chance to look at any of his images? No, actually, I've got him in my Read It Later service to enjoy oh, over yeah. the weekend. But I think, uh, I don't suppose you up to know if he covers, I mean, he's still photographer, isn't he? I'm very keen to see how the iPhone 13 Pro works in video in lower light modes. Everybody talks about the still cameras, but I, I just don't know if it's actually better with video. And, pure nosiness really i don't have a practical use for going around filming at night but i've, I've got to try it so. yeah and i think the verge talked about low light video and it is dramatically improved especially the 13 pro over the 12 pro so yes video in low light is improved and austin man's got a whole like nine minute video with like video footage from the 13 pro so oh, i encourage right. you to check it out the one thing that most of the reviewers said about the 13s is the new cinematic mode that Apple announced at the event. This is the artificial bokeh effect, like portrait mode, but for video that you can capture live and then also even edit later is a little bit unpredictable. You know, if you're in very bright outside sunny environment, cinematic mode does pretty good around the hair and around certain parts of the body, like where portrait mode struggles sometimes cinematic mode also struggles and you'll see kind of that weird blurring around the hair lines and stuff like that and in lower light cinematic mode really struggles and if we didn't mention this before the new cinematic mode on the 13 lineup only films in 1080p 30 frames per second no yeah you cannot film 4k video in cinematic mode. That's the pattern for Apple, isn't it? There's this wonderful thing they announced, um, was it with the 12 Pro or even the 11? I think it was the reason that got me to go to the 12 was the fact that you could shoot uh, on both cameras simultaneously, front and back, and Filmic Pro did this big thing of they were going to come out with this feature. and They never did in Filmic Pro. They released a separate thing, a double take, I think it's called, which is right. It's fine, it's nice, but it's still 1080p. So you're shooting everything else in 4K. Why would you Stoop down to a quarter of the quality to get a shot. I'm uh, that's a big. That's almost as disappointing as the fact that we in the UK aren't getting MM Wave 5G. Right. Even now. Man, between Apple Card and MM Wave. Yeah. You should. You should just move. Just move over here, will you? No, just, just come, come on to, over. Turning to Android. That's what I'm doing. No, <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. So. From the, these early reviews, it does look like battery life is greatly improved. Obviously, the phone is super fast. The ProMotion display, the variable refresh rate looks great. MKBHD said that was one of the first things that when he took it out of the box, it was just noticeably really good. Glad for that. That's also helping with the battery life because not only do you get high refresh when you're scrolling, but when you're just reading something or the screen is static, then the refresh rate can drop down to 10 hertz. And that saves battery life and processing power. So looking forward to that. But obviously the cameras 
We're gonna be doing some testing ourselves. I really wanna try out the macro mode, which is the close-up photography. Mm. Austin Mann said those features were really good on it. The macro modes were great. So I'm curious how it actually compares to a full-on camera's macro lens. But cinematic mode seems to be like the, eh, maybe fun to use, but no one's probably gonna be making like serious movies with it. Joanna Stern, she did the review for the Wall Street Journal, and she actually did like an entire music video filmed in cinematic mode with the iPhone 13. She always does incredible video work. But she said, you know, when you're trying to do like a professional environment or serious shooting, then you get it with that struggle in the cinematic mode. So remains to be seen. We'll have to try it out. It seems like it'll be a fun feature to try, but not something that you're going to be using in professional situations. Now, there were also reviews that came out for the iPad mini. So if you want to check out some of those early reviews, a lot of reviewers said it's a fun device. It's really great. It's super fast with the A15 Bionic processor, but remains to be seen like where does it fit in someone's workflow or productivity? I'm excited to try editing these podcasts on the mini as opposed to the iPad Pro M1. I'm curious to see what the performance difference is like between the M1 and the A15 and also for e-reading. A lot of people were saying it's very light. It's pocketable if you have a big enough pocket to put it in there, but we'll talk about more. We'll talk about the iPad mini more once we have it in hand and can talk about it there. But are you excited for that mini? Have you ever had an iPad mini? Um, I've used an iPad mini. A relative of mine had some problem or other. And for whatever reason, although I could fix whatever it was straight away, she couldn't collect it for about a week. So I had a week playing with this thing a couple of years ago. And I really liked it. I thought it was a tremendous machine for reading. Just deep, deep joy. But I don't know that I would pay uh, all the money of the iPad mini 6 because I'd need, for that amount of money, I'd need to be able to work on it. And I don't think I could really write on it as easily as I can. Well, uh, the cheaper iPad, really. So I'm a bit... Right. I was surprised how popular it was. And then reviews came through and they all started saying, fantastic, but very expensive and you can't really work on it. And now I'm kind of torn. So I, it's down to you. What have you tell me? is what will I will go by. Yeah. <laughs> I see. You know, that's the one thing where I use a smart keyboard. I used it with my 11 Pro. I use it now with my 12.9 inch Pro. And to have a, you know, a smart keyboard or a magic keyboard with an iPad mini, I totally understand why that's not a thing. I mean, it would be a mm. super cramped <laughs> keyboard. Yes, but, true. you know, when I edit podcasts, I hold the iPad the entire time because I'm editing with a pencil. And I will say the 12.9 inch iPad, while I like the screen real estate, gets pretty heavy because when I edit a show like Apple Insider or HomeKit Insider, I might be editing for like two hours, maybe two and a half hours. And holding the big iPad for that long gets a little cumbersome. And so I'm very curious to try editing these shows on the mini with being lighter, being smaller. I'm curious to see if I actually like doing it more on the mini than the large one and really use the large one as like a laptop replacement. So I'm very curious. Listeners, tune in next episode because we will have the iPhone 13s and 13 Pros in hand and the iPad mini, and we'll be trying all of them out, doing reviews of it, and we'll go more in depth once we have them in hand. But if you wanna watch those early reviews, we'll put the links in the show notes so you can check those out. I am concerned about you having to hold an iPad for a couple of hours. Should we speak faster or something? Will that make it quicker for you? <laughs> well, we can speak faster and fit more into an hour podcast, but I don't go. know if that's, uh, <laughs> that's just more to edit, <laughs> more to edit. No, okay. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by our friends at Fast Growing Trees. Listen, over the past year and a half, you've probably upgraded a few things around the house. We've been stuck inside. Maybe you got some new furniture or decor. Well, now is the time to upgrade the exterior of your home, and you can turn your yard into a paradise with Fast Growing Trees 
fastgrowingtrees.com. Skip trying to find stuff in the big box stores and just head to fastgrowingtrees.com, which is the world's largest online nursery. No more waiting in lines or messy cars and getting dirt everywhere or digging through a lackluster selection at those stores. Just go to fastgrowingtrees.com and you can choose from thousands of varieties of trees, shrubs, and plants expertly curated to thrive in your area and delivered to your door in one or two days. Whether you're looking for shade, privacy, fruit trees, or just add color to your yard, every plant is shipped with a well-developed root system ready to explode with new growth come spring. I've used fast-growing trees, and I got one tree, I actually got a persimmon tree down here in Florida, and I love the process so much. Personally bought two other plants. One is a pepper shrub, and another is a fig plant, and I just love the whole experience. It's so fun to take it out of the box. You can put it in a pot or plant it in the ground, so if you don't have an exterior that you can put plants, you can just do it potted, maybe on a patio or on a deck, and all the trees look beautiful, and they give you all the information you need to take care of the plant. Plus, you can get advice 24-7 with live plant experts by phone call seven days a week. There's a better way to buy trees and shrub plants for your home, and that's fastgrowingtrees.com. Fall is planting season, so don't let anybody tell you different. Join over 1 million satisfied gardeners at fastgrowingtrees.com. Plus, the 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee means your plants will arrive happy, healthy, and ready for planting. Now through November 30th, Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider for 15% off. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider. That link will also be in the show description. You can just click it there, fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider. Our thanks to Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring this episode and Posty. In the competitive world of advertising, marketers are always looking for an edge to accelerate growth reach new customers, and get measurable results. Today, they're turning to the best-kept secret in marketing, direct mail reinvented for the digital world by Posty. Posty has transformed direct mail by adding all the digital marketing capabilities found in channels like Facebook, Google, and YouTube. Listeners, I want you to know I have done direct mail marketing on my own before, and it is one of the biggest headaches. And having Posty as a new service that lets you do direct marketing like you would a Facebook ad or a YouTube ad is an incredible tool for you as a creator or as a marketer. Their system is so incredibly easy to use and powerful, whether it's organizing audiences and reaching certain zip codes and neighborhoods, and it takes all the stress off doing direct mail marketing. Posty allows you to run direct mail like a digital marketer. Posty's platform is a one-stop shop that does it all for you. You build audiences, you set up campaigns with A-B testing, you approve creative and track results in real time. You think of it as a direct mail easy button. Posty integrates with your CRM, accesses data sets, and builds lookalike models from over 250 million U.S. consumers. And with Posty, you narrow in on your target audience and reach customers that you don't find through other channels. And unlike the old way of doing direct mail, Posty is fast. Fully automated printing and logistics solutions allow you to deploy campaigns in days, not months. Let me tell you, when I've done direct mail before with other companies, it does take a long time. It is a laborious process, but Posty makes it so simple. Posty campaigns allow you to attract new customers, retarget your website visitors, and re-engage your existing customers to increase lifetime value. So diversify your marketing and stand out with direct mail from Posty. Hurry and get your free Posty demo today by visiting posty.com slash Apple Insider. That's Posty, P-O-S-T-I-E 
postydemo.com slash Apple Insider for a free Posty demo. Posty is direct mail reinvented for the digital world. Posty.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Posty for sponsoring this episode. Now, what we all have access to now is the public release, the official iOS 15, iPadOS 15, watchOS 8, tvOS 15, and HomePod something 15. I don't know what they call that. It's not HomePod OS. I think it's just HomePod operating. I don't know. (laughs) But all the 15s are out. I had been running the betas on my iPad, but now is the first time I officially have it on my iPhone. I have watchOS 8 on my Apple Watch. I definitely have some thoughts, William, because <laughs> I've, it's the first time I've used the redesigned Safari on the iPhone and using the other things. I will say, before we get into Safari, because, man, I got some thoughts, the redesigned weather app, I really like. Yeah. It's incorporating more of the dark sky features. You have the live radar maps now, which is great. And I'm pretty much going to use it. You know, I've had dark sky installed and kind of gone back and forth, mostly because of the radar maps. Like, I want to see the radars. I want to make sure the notifications are going to be equal. So I'm going to keep rolling with both for a while and see if I still get the same precipitation notifications from both apps. From what I've observed so far in the past week, the stock weather app has been pretty good, giving me those, it's going to rain in so many minutes, it's going to stop raining in so many minutes. And those radar maps basically look just like the dark sky ones. So I'm really liking it. What do you think of that new weather app? Uh, I haven't known Dark Sky since I went to the betas for this. I love the new weather app. Uh, I think part of it, I have to say, though, the whole thing of what you just said, rain stopping in three minutes, beginning in 90s, whatever it is, it's never been as accurate here in the UK as it has in the States. Um, mm. I suppose microclimates, not as many radar stations and things like this, but for whatever reason, it's never been that great. It's just always been better than everything else. So I don't have a lot to compare it to. And so far, the weather app itself seems to be doing as good a job as dark sky and for me that was always the thing that was the most useful should i wait 10 minutes before i go out or not and yeah so far i have plus i just i really like the design of it i think they've done a gorgeous job oh yeah uh with that yes i agree you know what looks great too the weather app on ipad and uh that app looks like the weather channel but anyway, we won't go there. Right. You threw me there for a second. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to catch you. <laughs> trying to catch you on that. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe one day we'll get the weather app on the iPad. You know, you get the widgets, yeah. but when you tap the widget, it just goes to yeah. weather.com. <laughs> so, I would love to see those, like, cool animations. You know, when it's raining or thunderstorming and you open the stock weather app on iPhone, you get this yes. cool, like, thunderstorm animation and you get this rain falling down. Like, on the iPad screen, that would be so cool. And the rain bounces off uh, the pane. Yes. I actually have a few different cities set up for legitimate work purposes, but I still, occasionally I will flick through them just to see the different weathers to enjoy the animation of it. You're looking at me now. Okay, I'll stop. No, no, nice. no. I, I think it is very cool, beautifully designed. And so that that's just why I want to see it on, on the, iPad. the yeah. iPad. I just want to see it on the iPad. That's all. So in addition, you have the focus modes in iOS 15 and iPadOS 15. I had resisted creating a bunch of focus modes while I was on the beta because I wasn't going to have the betas everywhere. And the big benefit of focus modes is that they apply on all your devices. So if you enable a focus mode on your iPhone, your iPad, and if you have a Mac running macOS Monterey, they'll all go into the same focus mode with the same settings. We don't have macOS Monterey just yet, but across my iPhone and iPad, I've been trying to set those up and play with them. I'm curious your thoughts on this, William. I I love the idea 
I love the granular control you get in the focus modes, but I feel a little bit of option overload. And as I try to set these up, I feel a little bit like there's so much you can do with this, plus shortcuts and automations and the home screens and all this kind of stuff. It feels a little complicated and it's going to take me a while to yeah. kind of tweak all those. Have you found, what's been your experience with focus modes? I rushed into it, started setting up loads of things. Then I think I found the same thing as you. I've kind of pruned it back to just a couple of things. And I must be doing something wrong because I've set one up that, that locks out everything except my wife and one editor and things like that. And even today, in the middle of all of that, suddenly a couple of people who aren't on my VIPs list or anything, the bleep came when they emailed me and I cannot cannot see why they broke through for it so i don't know what i'm doing wrong but it must be option related so yes i'm going to study this except i also realized that uh this happened yesterday and because we got the bleeps through and i thought i'll take a minute to look at this i switched off the focus mode i was in and the phone rang with a, uh, a job from the bbc for me that i wouldn't have got uh. if i'd been in focus mode and they needed it right away it was a radio thing so very quick very small stuff but a lot of fun and i would have missed it uh, if focus mode had been working so i'm uh, a bit conflicted here so the bugginess is a feature that's what yes, you're saying there you go yeah, very, okay. very good very good well i have used live text on the ipad since yeah. all the betas have come out and if you haven't played with live text yet it is an incredible feature you can select copy paste text from any image in your phone and images you just find on the web you know you can actually just to do a little video to somebody i got a picture of the declaration of independence on google i saved it to my camera roll and you can just like select the text from the declaration of independence you know find notwithstanding sometimes it struggles with some of those like fancy writings but any image you have if it has a phone number or an address it can recognize those things and the real power comes when you search in spotlight on your iphone or ipad and soon mac os monterey it will search all your photos for the text of what you are searching so if you're trying to remember you know where did i go i don't know like what was the phone number of that cafe or something if you took a picture of the cafe and the name of the cafe is like on a sign or on a menu that you took it will actually search and hit that as a search result because it can recognize the text across all your photos across your entire iCloud photo library. So really cool. Have you had found any use cases for live text? Uh, yes, actually. It's pulling out quotes from something I just for some reason couldn't uh, select and copy. So I took a photograph of it and did exactly that same thing for it. Except, except, have you not found this yet? Every now and again, all you're trying to do is drag an image from one place to another and your finger on the iPad or your cursor on Mac OS Monterey happens to catch somewhere that's got text in it. And so it goes and selects the text instead. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard that so often and uh, you haven't. Okay. I, I have not. I mean, I, I haven't used it, used it a ton. I just kind of like playing with it and see, you know, will it translate this text and will it do that? But I feel like if you work in a situation where you're writing stuff on whiteboards or you're in meetings and you have stuff mm. where everyone's referring to some display or board, or maybe you take a picture of a PowerPoint slide, you know, that will, is going to be really useful because you can just copy that text, save it to a note. And now you have editable text. You know, you don't have just an image of a whiteboard or a slide. So I think it's going to be really good. It's incredible. 
Yes. Oh, yeah, and yeah, you, you realize you don't even have to take the photograph. You just hold the camera up. Right. Take it. I mean, I always would because you know something's going to, you'll lose the text. Right. And you could have taken the shot. But the fact that you don't even have to bother doing that. So it's any photograph you've ever taken and even photographs you haven't taken. That's, that's how comprehensive yeah. live text is. Absolutely. No, it's great. You also have the background sounds now built into iOS 15. So if you want to have like rain or ocean sounds, you don't even need a separate app anymore. You can enable it right in the settings, accessibility, audio visual, and you can do background sounds right there, which is pretty cool. A ton of updates to the messages app. You know, if you send multiple photos, there's now like this little stacked view in the conversation, and then you can break those out into a grid view. So messages got a lot of updates. There's also drag and drop on iPhone now. And this is not something I think a lot of people realize, but if you go to say Safari on your iPhone and you do an image search, search for dogs, you can actually tap and hold on one of those images and once you're tapping and holding, you can actually, with your other hand, swipe up to go home and it will have that image as like a drag and drop file. And you can go to another app like Messages and literally just drag that into the message conversation and it will send it. Or if you do it in an email, it'll attach it to an email. So you can now do drag and drop on iPhone if you use kind of that two hand thing where you're holding something with your thumb or another finger and you use your other hand to navigate around the phone. Pretty wild that you can do that now on the iPhone. And did you know about that? Just trying to contort my fingers to do that, and I can't quite get there, but I, I will work on it. Okay. It's, it's complicated. You kind of have to do a little bit of a contortionist move with all the, the drag and drop. Yes. So one of the biggest changes in iOS 15 is the Safari redesign. And this has been talked about over the summer and all the betas and the different things that Apple changed. Right off the bat, let me just say, if you update to iOS 15 and you cannot stand the tab bar and address bar at the bottom, you can go into settings, go to Safari, scroll down to tab view, and you can basically set it just like it was in iOS 14. You can totally revert back and just have that, you know, have it like it was in iOS 14. But I am trying to live with it now for the first time on the iPhone full-time, using it all the time. There's a lot of muscle memory to get over because I just automatically tap on the top of the screen to access the address bar to type a search or a website URL. So it's a little bit of muscle memory retraining to the bottom of the screen. But I don't know, William, I will say my first impressions are I think I like seeing the website unobstructed at the top of the screen, you know, because now... With the tab bar at the bottom, websites really go all the way up into the, the very top of the screen. So that's nice. I feel like I, I don't have a distracting address bar, but it used to just shrink when you would start scrolling. So it wasn't a big deal. But I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I like swiping between tabs and I like the new tab view where you can see all the websites kind of in squares and it's not this, you know, like Rolodex card looking thing. But how, how are you feeling about the iPhone Safari? I switched that bit back, actually, after a long time. Because, I mean, I thought the same as you. Muscle memory, we're so used to going to the top. But actually, we're also so used to going to the top in pretty much every website we go to. That's where the menu is, where the search function is. So you'd be forever going to the top. Think, no, I've got to go to the bottom to do this. And then when the site loaded, you're right, got, no, I've got to go to the top and things. And the cognitive load of moving up and down, I just, <laughs> in the end. There are certain things about Safari that I utterly love, uh, but what they've done with tabs in the end no that tab view thing uh, instead of the rolodex thing yes definitely better but you get to keep that even if you opt back to the older version so yeah i th i tried for a long time and no <laughs> okay well I i'm 
trying, you know, because I've only been living with it for four days right now on the iPhone. So I'm going to keep trying and see what it's like. But I understand why it was so divisive initially when people first put this beta on their iPhone, because it is is very different. And I don't know if it's if it's better. And it is a little confusing now to get to the do I have to turn off content blockers for this website? Or do I want to access the reader view settings? Mm. Like all that stuff feels a little more convoluted. And as we'll talk about in a second, if you start adding extensions into the Safari of iOS 15, that little menu with the two A's gets very busy very quickly. And there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, It's a lot of stuff in that menu. And I don't know if it's the best way to display all that information, but I will reserve judgment. I'm going to keep using it. This is about tabs. What about the complete opposite, uh, tab groups, which I'm just going to tell you now is immediately perfectly the way it should always have been in life everywhere. That good immediately. (laughs) Do do you agree with me or have you not looked yet? No, no. Tab groups are amazing. And if you didn't know, Safari on the Mac, even though we don't have macOS Monterey, you can update to Safari 15 on the Mac by itself and you get tab groups, you get the redesign on the Mac. So you can have this stuff everywhere right now, like tab groups and all that. And the tab groups are great. No, I, I do love those. That is incredible. Uh, they, Apple comes out, announces it, and I think, oh, that's very nice. It's like a bionic bookmarking thing. Yeah, well, whatever. I might try it someday. And then I had to write an article about it. I thought, oh, actually, it's all very, very clever. And then the next thing you know, I'm obsessed. I'm using it for everything. And I'm zooming between Apple Insider work, Writers Guild work, other stuff for it. I just one click, and I'm suddenly in a completely different headspace as well as Safari space because of tab groups. There you go. So the other thing about Safari, though, like I mentioned a second ago, is extensions are now available on iPad and iPhone. And I will say this opens up an entire world of possibility. The extensions on iOS 15 are really good. There's a limited amount of them right now. I'm sure extensions will grow and increase over time. But just the few that are available right now are great. And one of the first to adopt it and update their app was 1Password. And the 1Password extension on iOS 15 and iPadOS 15 works just like you would hope. Like you probably have the extension if you use 1Password in Safari or even Chrome, you get the choice of choosing a login right there on the website. You don't need to hit the share button and tap 1Password to access your logins. It just shows up right in the web browser. It can do the two-factor authentication codes and all that. So extensions, two thumbs up. I'm curious, have you played around with extensions? Do you have any that have stood out to you in the meantime? Barely at all, actually, because the extensions were not available during the beta process, so they're new too. And it was one of the things where as soon as they're out, I must look into them. But I noticed on my iPad, I was actually kind of nudged into finding the one password one. I used one password and then suddenly there was a, you know, you could add this. And I did. And I haven't got it on my iPhone yet. I haven't been prompted through it. And I'm not honestly clear where to add it on the iPhone. But it's looking at me right now on the iPad. It's uh, one password logo in icon rather in the address bar for it are you saying that when you've got a few of them it fills up that address bar in safari on my ipad the extensions now only show up as like a little puzzle piece in the address bar and it has the number four next to it telling me that there are four extensions available and again this is one of the things where i wish that there were multiple icons or they broke out some of this functionality because right now and i will take a screenshot and maybe put this as the chapter art but There's like the circle with three dots. And if you tap that, you have like some shortcuts. If you have those saved, you have the reader view or read later links. You have the translate commands and text size. 
And then you have extensions below that and then the manage extensions there. If you tap the puzzle piece, I guess it actually brings up the same menu. Even though there's a second icon in that address bar, it's not any different functionality. I guess it's just one big tap target between the puzzle piece and the round circles. So I don't know, just a little bit of a confusing UI there, trying to get to the extensions and all that. But all that being said, the few extensions that are available right now, one password is great. There's an extension called Momentum, which I've actually used in Chrome for a long time. And it basically is a customized start screen. And you can now have that on iPad and iPhone. And so that's fun. And then this last one, I highly recommend Achoo, HTML Viewer. <laughs> it's a funny name. But I'll put links to all these extensions in the show notes if you want to try them out. But if you're a web developer or you need to look at the code of a website often, there were shortcuts you could do before to try and view the source code and all that. But Achoo HTML Viewer is actually better. It's a easier. You can just tap this extension. You start seeing the code in a little window. And then you can copy that to a document or share it somewhere. So at you, HTML viewer is actually really useful. So pretty cool. I, I suddenly get it when you say it's a viewer. So it's here's looking at you, isn't it? That's what it is. Okay. Oh, now I understand. Okay. You did it. You did it. Very nice. One last iOS 15 Safari extension that I highly recommend is called Amplosion. Amplosion. And this extension, what it does is if you go to a website, and it would have loaded the Google AMP version of a website, which is like AMP dot whatever. If you don't know what this is, maybe it doesn't bother you, but I always want to get like the raw website. I don't want to look at the AMP version. This extension for Safari will actually automatically redirect you to the raw link of that article rather than the AMP webpage. So you never have to see that AMP version at all. So that's Amplosion. It's $3 on the App Store, but I'll include a link to that because very cool extension right there. Oh, I'm having that, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty cool. This episode is brought to you by Quip. If you've heard me for any amount of time, you know I love smart home devices and HomeKit. And I also love when smart devices get small. And that's why one of the coolest devices you can get is the Quip Smart Electric Toothbrush. You can even get rewarded for brushing your teeth. And you can earn perks like free products, gift cards, and more when you use your Quip Toothbrush. The Quip Smart Brush connects to the Quip app with Bluetooth. It's a Bluetooth connected toothbrush. You can track how well you brush, get tips and coaching to improve your habits, and you can even earn points for daily brushing and bonus points for completing challenges. I mean, you're basically gamifying brushing your teeth and then you can redeem them for rewards like products, gift cards, and discounts. And if you already have a Quip toothbrush, you can upgrade it with a smart motor and keep the features you know and love. You have sensitive sonic vibrations, a two-minute timer with 30-second pulses for a guided clean. I like that to be able to know when I need to move sides of the mouth or move to the top or the bottom. It's slim, lightweight, and sleek. There's no wires or bulky charger to weigh you down. And there's a multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount for less clutter. And beyond the brush, Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. Mint or watermelon toothpaste with anti-cavity ingredients for strong, healthy teeth and floss that expands to clean and comes in a refillable dispenser to reduce waste. The Quip toothbrush also comes for adults and kids, and I have three kids, and let me tell you, if there's any way you can make teeth brushing fun, you gotta do it. And with the Quip and the point system, they do love brushing their teeth. In addition to brush heads, Quip also delivers fresh floss, toothpaste, mouthwash, and gum refills every three months from $5. Shipping is free, so you can save money, skip the hustle and bustle of in-store shopping. Join over 5 million mouths who use Quip, and save hundreds compared to other Bluetooth brushes when you get a Quip Smart Brush for just $45. Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today. Go to getquip.com 
quip.com slash Apple Insider right now to save $10 on a Quip Smart Electric toothbrush. That's $10 off a Smart Electric toothbrush at getquip.com slash Apple Insider. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Apple Insider. Getquip.com slash Apple Insider for $10 off the Smart Electric toothbrush. Quip is the Good Habits Company. Our thanks to Quip for sponsoring this episode and our friends at ZocDoc. Has it ever happened to you where you need to see a doctor and trying to find one can be such a headache? You try the maps, you try searching online, but you're definitely not sure if they take your insurance. Well, when you download the free ZocDoc app, it is the easiest way to find a great doctor in your area and instantly book an appointment. With the ZocDoc app, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or video chat right there in the app. You never have to wait on hold on the phone with a receptionist again or try to search on the internet for what doctors take your insurance. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and you can download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. Trust me, all my previous experiences of trying to find a doctor can be a headache. ZocDoc makes it so easy. You can see little pictures of the doctor. You see their rating. You see where they are on the map. And I love that you can even book an appointment for same day. You can see what doctors offer appointments same day if you need to go in a hurry. And it just makes it so easy to find just the right doctor. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. So uh, then I also want to touch on Safari 15 on the Mac. So like I said, you can update Safari on the Mac right now, even without updating to macOS Monterey. And the Safari on the Mac is even more jarring in this redesign, I will say. It is something. I'm trying to figure out if I want to have the tab bar separated from the address bar. I don't know if that's any better. And then the feature where it colors the web browser according to the website you're visiting. I feel like on a large display on a Mac, that can be really jarring and even more so than on like the iPad. Sometimes it'll be like, the Wells Fargo website, it's all red mm. up at the top. Like the entire top of Safari is a bright red. And then if I go to Apple Insider, it's like a dark black. And if you try to go between tabs quickly, it's just a, a big color difference. So I actually turned off that feature, which you can do. If you go to Safari preferences on Mac, you can go to the tabs option. You can do the automatically uh, collapse tab titles into icons. You can do the show color and tab bar. Like there's some options there to customize it, but not sure how I feel about it. I, I got to spend some more time with it, but. Have you gotten used to the new version of Safari on the Mac or have you tried to revert it basically to what it was before? At some point during the piece, they walked back some part of the change and I almost missed what they'd done. I, uh, because of tab groups, I don't tend to have a huge number of tabs open on screen at any one time. So it's when they get smaller that it's much harder to pick through. I still find it hard to be certain which one I've currently selected which is a bit odd. But um, when you were saying that about Wells Fargo, I remembered BBC News uh, goes red as well. So I went to that site. And when it's red, actually the site, the tabs are much clearer. I know which one of the redness it is. So I, I quite like the colours. It does give a very different feel okay. to each site. But I'm quite, yeah. quite happy with that. 
Okay. Well, listeners, let us know what you think of the new Safari designs across all the platforms. You could tweet at William and myself. We'd love to know. And then also iOS 15.1, the very first beta of the next version, 15.1, has come out in that beta. It looks like SharePlay will be coming in iOS 15.1 whenever that's released publicly. Dolby Atmos and lossless audio coming to HomePod in that update and vaccination cards in Apple Wallet if your healthcare provider actually supports that. So those are some of the big features coming in iOS 15.1. The beta is out there if you want to be on that beta train or the official release will probably be coming in the next month or so. Also wanted to mention with the iPad mini, I'm going to be trying it with an ebook reader and I actually have a Kindle Paperwhite I'm going to be comparing it to. But on the heels of the iPad mini, Amazon announced a new version of the Kindle and you can now get an updated version of the Kindle Paperwhite with USB-C, which was one of my complaints about the current Kindle Paperwhite. So the new version, you can get USB-C. It's got some other updates. So I'll be comparing that with the new iPad mini to see which is the better e-reader, especially outside. I'm curious how that new iPad mini does outside without that mini LED display. I'll be comparing it to my 12.9 inch iPad Pro to see how is the readability outside. Did you ever have a Kindle or any kind of e-reader like that? I've tried some. Uh, My problem with them is uh, I love the fact that you can read them outside, but I find the display and the font really ugly. I remember when version 10 of the Kindle software came out, the headline feature was that the typography was better. And you think the 10th version, they're finally looking at what the thing is you're reading all the time. Uh, I just find that the way it breaks, the font size, everything is horrible. And uh, books on iPad look utterly gorgeous, except when you're outside. I didn't really believe, I mean, it sounds rotten, but I didn't believe people was complaining about iPads outside uh, until I changed iPads recently. My 2015 iPad Pro, yes, you knew it was a problem with the sunlight, but it wasn't dreadful. It was very rarely a problem. But now with the the 11 inch iPad Pro, it's very much a problem when I'm outside in sunlight. So uh, I could be drawn back to paper whites and things, but only if they've improved the text. I can't stop seeing how what to me looks like very ugly text it is very ugly and you know you get an ipad mini you also get like an ipad that's true with a bunch of other things that it can do (laughs) so you know there's that um i want to mention too the new magsafe wallet i did get one of the new magsafe wallets and new is like in the biggest air quotes possible because it is basically the same as last year's magsafe wallet save for the find my integration really wondering why The new MagSafe wallet can be integrated with Find My and not the old one. They're both just NFC chips. Neither of them has a U1 chip, like an AirTag or anything. So I don't know. Functionality seems curious between the two. But I already got mine in the mail. And when you put it on the back of your phone, you get that little setup screen like you do an AirTag. The little card slides up. So you can add the MagSafe wallet to Find My. I do like the notification you get. So when you take the new MagSafe wallet off your iPhone, after a minute... It will send you a notification that says you've left your MagSafe wallet at such and such address. If you reattach it in less than a minute, you won't get a notification. So the idea is, you know, if you're just taking it off, paying for something and putting it back on your phone, you won't get a notification. But if it gets separated, then you'll get that notification and you can hopefully recover your wallet. And you can even program it where if you lose your wallet entirely, if someone else slaps it on the back of their iPhone 12 or 13, it will actually say this wallet belongs to such and such. And it will show your phone number if you choose from the Find My App settings that you have. It'll show your phone number. And so someone who finds the wallet could, in the most altruistic scenario, call you and say, hey, I have your wallet and return it. So cool features. Again, weird that 
It's not available for the original MagSafe wallet. This seems just like an iOS 15 feature. It could have been enabled. Pretty cool. It's a little weird if you want to take the wallet off like in the car and attach it to a car mount. Like I did that and then I got a notification like, hey, you left your MagSafe wallet somewhere. It's like, well, it's, it's sitting right here. I just wanted oh, to put my phone on the car mount. Right. Yeah, I almost wish there was some way where you can just put it on a car mount with the wallet attached. And I know with all the magnets, you'd probably erase your cards completely, but... Oh, that's the only like weird scenario. Okay, but apart <laughs> yeah. from that, it'd be much better, yes. <laughs> yeah, apart from totally rendering all your cards unusable. Nah. <laughs> so that's the only weird thing about the MagSafe wallet. But if you didn't have a MagSafe wallet before, you might want to try with the Find My, especially if you maybe lose your wallet or maybe you leave it places a lot and have to go back and recount your steps to find it. It is nice to just have a notification and information in the Find My app that says, hey, this is where you left your wallet. It's at this address. So that's cool. I would like to ask though, about the car mount thing. Uh, I just broke my old car mount and I've ordered a new one and I've ordered MagSafe. Uh, for Are you happy with your MagSafe car mount? I got the Moment MagSafe mount and I wasn't crazy about that because it, it was very shallow and it didn't fit my vent. Then I tried the car and driver one and that one was kind of meh. The last one I got is the Belkin MagSafe car mount and that one I've been happy with. It right. articulates well. It comes out from the vent so it's it's not like super flush or pushed weird against the vent and it holds the phone pretty securely. So I got the Belkin one and I'm happy with that one. Which one did you get? I went for a, a window suction cup one by, made by Otter. I don't like vent ones because uh, some years ago I managed to break the vent on something. Ah. I prefer the higher rise uh, sight view as well of it. I, I think in the States there are some places where you can't have that, but here you can in the UK. So uh, I just, I also occasionally, uh, I've done uh, videos uh, shot from the MagSafe thing. I've just put the phone the other way around and photographed myself for it. That sounds wrong when you see what I mean, but... <laughs> I had to do a video where I was arguing with myself in the car and a secured mount was great. And I've just realized this second saying to you, I can't do that now. I can't use the back cameras because I can't right. turn the phone around. Okay, well, yeah. I had to replace it. So <laughs> I'll be a safer driver. That's what I'll be. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And you can use the uh, driving focus mode, turn off notifications. While, oh, uh, yeah. No kids in the car yes yeah so I'm, I'm trying to do that i'm, I'm trying to set up focus modes best best i can so we'll see one last feature i want to touch on this is an icloud plus feature the custom email domains i believe you actually had the how-to article about this and i was waiting till it was officially released because it's been in beta till recently but i actually put a couple domains in my icloud settings i set up the custom domains, the DNS servers. I verified everything in the iCloud dashboard thing. And so everything looked like it was ready to go. It's a .com email address, so should be fine there. And when I went to add the custom email to use with my iCloud mail, it keeps giving me the error that it's just not unable to create the email address. It just keeps erroring. And so in a rare move, I actually contacted Apple support because I was like, maybe something with my account something. I don't know. But when I contacted them, they said, there's multiple people experiencing this issue. We'll add you to like the escalated ticket that the engineers are working on and hopefully it will get resolved soon. So custom email domains with iCloud mail 
still a little buggy, but you could try it. You can set it up now. You don't have to be a part of the beta program or anything, but you know, let me know uh, people's experience with that. If you actually get it set up accurately, you've been able to set it up on yours, right? No, uh, you mentioned the how-to article. It's the only how-to article I've written about Monterey or iOS 15 and iPadOS 15, which is, this is how it's supposed to work, <laughs> but it wasn't. Right. It was falling over at one point. And I remember when it came out, I was looking at, yeah, you do, I thought, am I doing this wrong? Yeah, I can't get answers for it. There's no support for it yet. And I read several other articles on how to do it. And because I'd done this, gone through the process, I could see who had actually bothered to try doing it and who hadn't. Because oh, okay. most of them say, it's fine after this point, everywhere that it failed for me. And then I think Federico Vettici uh, went all the way and got it working perfectly. But I couldn't emulate what he did. So I was waiting for the official release. So we will rework that feature when we can figure it out. But yeah, there was, I mean, there were definite obvious bugs. Like uh, it wouldn't uh, allow, there was an email address I had. Uh, I'm William Gallagher, so I, I have an email. It's WG at a particular uh, domain name. And it said, no, that's too short to be an email address. I thought, like, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Seems so there are some issues there. I thought they'd been fixed by now, and I'm, I'm disappointed that they're not. But, you know, they've been very busy doing a lot of things, and I couldn't do any of this, so let them off. <laughs> they're doing things. I'll give them that. So we'll have to see. I'm I'm trying to use it. I, I really want to create the things and all. So I'll, let, I'll report back if it ever gets fixed and I get contacted by Apple support. But listeners, if you're able to set it up, I'd, I'd be curious. I really wanted to try and use it. Maybe even ditch like G Suite, because that's the main reason why I use Google email is the custom email domains. So I'm curious how it functions, like with the mail app on iPhone and all that, but I'll have to report back once it actually works. All right, well, last thing, let's just touch on this memo that Tim Cook sent to Apple employees. This was after they did an internal meeting, I think talking about some of their policies for health and COVID uh, policies once people come back to the office, and things from that meeting leaked out to the press. On that, plus the other device leaks, Tim Cook sent this memo to Apple employees earlier this week. And there were a couple lines that I thought were very interesting. He addresses leakers directly. And he says, I'm going to quote now from his memo, quote, I'm writing today because I've heard from so many of you were incredibly frustrated to see the contents of the meeting leak to reporters. This comes after a product launch in which most of the details of our announcements were also leaked to the press. I want you to know that I share your frustration and I want to reassure you that we are doing everything in our power to identify those who leaked, end quote. So I think there's a couple interesting pieces of information from those statements. One, apparently, Tim Cook himself and Apple is frustrated by leaks in general. And it seems like there's a common sense of frustration amongst Apple employees that maybe work on these products. So the frustration is real. Number two, I think it's interesting that Tim Cook phrased it as most of the details of the recent Apple event were leaked. And this is after the Apple Watch leaks were incorrect about the Apple Watch redesign, the satellite feature for the iPhone 13 that was a rumor prior to the event did not actually come out. So I find it interesting that Tim Cook actually phrases it as most of the details leaked, whereas we know many of the rumors were actually wrong. So that's a, a curious piece of information. And thirdly, that Tim Cook says that they are doing everything in their power to identify those who leaked information. And I don't know, if I was a source for uh, one of these leakers that leaked some of this information, I would be watching my back because it seems like Tim Cook is after you. But I don't know, what, what were your feelings about this memo? 
I, I felt slightly embarrassed, actually. The poor guy writes a memo about things being leaked, and that memo is leaked. It feels like I'll give him a, <laughs> just so a little true. break. You know? Oh, that's so true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's a double leak. This thing about basically hunting down the leakers, I didn't put it quite like that, but yeah, we know, near enough. I uh, think is, I remember uh, I looked up an article on Tim Cook in 2012 was saying that Apple was doubling down on secrecy right. and things. So it feels like, did they not do it? Or do they need to triple down? Um, there's always <laughs> going to be something. Right. I know John Prosser, one of the big leakers, we report on him in Apple Insider. He wrote on his website, Front Page Tech, that the leak community has always been around. And it has leaks and rumors have been a thing for decades in regards to Apple and will always be around. And whatever methods have to change for sources to get information out, they'll just adapt to whatever stop gaps that Apple puts in place. I think that's interesting. You know, I think one of the biggest leaks ever was that iPhone 4 mm. prototype that was left in a bar. But that was, you know, we haven't seen that since. No, no hardware leak to that extent. But I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what they're going to do. Again, John Prosser said in his article, many sources out of China who were tweeting leaks and rumors earlier this year in 2021 recently seem to have stopped doing that. Some of these anonymous leakers that were tweeting things just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. Like they just, their accounts have gone dormant. So it seems like maybe Apple is clamping down on some of those sources, especially in China or supply chain sources. The last event, you have John Prosser, Mark Gurman, and Ming-Chi Kuo all had leaks that they were saying were coming. All of them agreed on the flat edge Apple Watch redesign, including Mark Gurman, a few days before the event, and they were all wrong. So whether or not, you know, it looks like leaks are going to be coming out or not, maybe the accuracy of these leaks will actually decrease in the near future as Tim Cook and Apple tries to clamp down on some of this leaked information. But I thought it was so interesting just how Tim Cook phrased it. And clearly it's a frustration for the company. Yeah, it's got to be. I'm slightly torn over this because uh, in most ways I'm with Apple. I would enjoy learning about these things at the event. I would enjoy the surprise of it. But unlike anybody else, I want to know. And if it comes out, I want to know more. But I, I was very amused by the Apple Watch. Uh, when the first shot of the watch came on and it was curved, I was so pleased because I thought the squared thing looked really ugly. But then immediately afterwards, you were hearing people saying there'd been a problem with the flat edge thing and Apple had suddenly changed. So, you know, like last Friday or something, they decided to retool. Yeah, right. And others, <laughs> right. others saying, well, 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 we didn't say it was Apple Watch Series 7. It's 8, it's Series 8. Thought, yeah, right. Okay, fine. <laughs> it's actually a contributing factor in case they're right. I want to buy a 7. Right. Because I don't want to get a squared off um, uh, 8 kind of thing. Oh, I know. So. Yeah, and there were a lot of people saying, you know, Mark Arman and the ATP guys are like, you know, that design is not super pleasing as just a watch design in general. So, you know, Apple might never go to it. And if it doesn't, that really says something about the leaks, you know, and, and John Prosser supposedly leaked the iPhone 14 a couple of weeks ago. We have to wait a year to actually see if that pans out. But I think that will be telling as well. You know, maybe the leak community will get a little quieter over the next year. I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, it's just a, a curious situation for sure. I'm glad you amended one thing though and said that the accounts of these leakers had gone. Because when you started by saying they disappeared off the face of the earth, it sounded a bit violent. It really is just like oh. they personally have been removed from the problem. <laughs> the Apple mafia has gone door to door. Well, and you know, when that iPhone 4 leaked, so that was a Gizmodo leak. And when they actually had the physical device, they did the big report on it. Apple literally sent law enforcement to the Gizmodo 
editor's house to confiscate like hard drives and equipment. And that was kind of the first time I was like, whoa, slow down, Apple. You know, that, that seemed like very aggressive. But again, it was quote unquote stolen merchandise. You know, it was left in a bar. That's bad on the Apple employee who did that. But to actually take it and then report on it, you know, that, maybe that's a different story. But I don't know. I don't think it's the Apple Gestapo going after leakers. I think they're just figuring out where they're coming from and I don't know, really addressing the issue. It's quite an image, though. Apple stormtroopers. <laughs> I mean, the costumes, the helmets, they'd be brilliantly designed, wouldn't they? It's oh, just, yes. Yeah. That's right. But they'd all be square helmets, square oh, edges, true. flat that's edges. <laughs> just kidding. Well, listeners, come back next week as we will have all these devices in hand, iPhone 13, 13 Pro, iPad mini. We'll go in-depth on all of that and anything else that comes out. And again, you can tweet at William and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. Also, if you haven't yet, you can give the podcast a five-star rating and review an Apple podcast. That helps out the show. And if you want to help out the show by supporting us directly, you can do that directly in Apple Podcasts or at patreon.com slash Apple Insider. You can get an ad-free version of the show and early access. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. (laughs) Is that phone from the 1960s? Yes, it's the universal phone as heard in Colombo and all of the rest of those. That was a brilliant ring. I liked it.